Welcome back, everybody, to a very special extra credit uh, podcast episode. We're actually at our Financial Services Summit this year in Chicago. This is a summit or meeting slash conference where we bring together customer executives where we share economic and market perspectives, discuss shared challenges, and collaborate on how to best navigate. And similar to our extra credit uh, podcast mantra, you know, we push insights, not products. So today, we're lucky to have a few leaders representing some key customers in the credit union space. They will be participating in a credit union strategy pa panel with our own Sean Flynn at the summit in the next couple of days. So let's introduce them. We'll start off here. If you give us your name and background, I'd love that. Sure. I'm Kaylin Lease. I'm a Lending Systems Manager at University Federal Credit Union. I've been in the credit union space for about 25 years. Um, all facets and my focus is forwarding our technology um, to improve the experience that our members have at the organization. Oh, great. My name is Michael Kelly. I'm the Assistant Vice President of Consumer Lending at Desert Financial Credit Union in Phoenix, Arizona. I've been in the credit union industry for over 20 years and our, our focus right now is on growing our loan portfolio and uh, managing that risk. All right, um, I think we're going to head into what we always like to do with our guests, is do a fun little bit of trivia. I think, Josh, you're up first, the first up. couple of questions. And so feel free to, to compete together. So um, we always pick a, a topic that's relevant to our guests, but given that we're recording from Chicago, I thought we would uh, throw a few Chicago questions at you this morning. Oops. So, and these are <coughs> true to the term trivia, uh, not something anyone should be expected to know. So. First question, the University of Chicago in Hyde Park is not known for its football program. The bleachers at the stadium, however, are famous for what? And this is multiple choice. A, it's where President and Mrs. Obama first kissed. B, uh, being the site of the first self-sustaining nuclear chain reaction. C, a specially designated section for the university's Nobel laureates. Or D, the integrated cannons that fire every, uh, at every University of Chicago victory. A. I was going to go A, too. No, it's B. It's where the, the, the folks Manhattan were project. the Manhattan Project. Yeah. Was, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, which I wouldn't have known if I had not lived here and been on that tour a couple times. Um, all right, second question. Bertha Palmer, wife of million, the wife of millionaire hotelier uh, Potter Palmer, requested a new dessert to serve at the Palmer House Hotel for the 1893 World's Columbian Exposition. What ubiquitous dessert resulted from this request? A, the banana split. B, chocolate chips, which were baked into a cookie. C, the brownie. Or D, strawberry shortcake. This is a tough one. Ooh. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say chocolate chip. Strawberry shortcake. The brownie. Split the uh, difference. That's C. right. Wow. That's right. Wow. <laughs> All right, it's, it's my turn. Uh, it's, I can tell what Josh was thinking when he did these, because this one's about the Twinkie. <laughs> Twinkie was invented during the... I was the, hungry when I did these. Yeah. yeah. It was invented during the Depression by Chicagoan Jimmy Duar. A World War II scarcity resulted in the original filling being changed to vanilla cream, which persists to this day. What was the original filling? A, banana cream. B, cherry jelly. C, chocolate cream. D, orange cream. No clue. Orange. Cherry. Oh, banana. 
Mm. <laughs> You're batting over three. That's right. That's, That's right. right. They're hard. Yeah. They're uh, pretty I, I don't know that I would have had any of these. Those last two in particular I thought were more difficult. Um, let's see. Number four. What do four of the last 11 governors of the state of Illinois have in common? Oh, this one. <laughs> Being related to the politically powerful Daly family. B, launching their campaigns at Pizzeria Uno, a birthplace of deep dish pizza. C, lobbying for the landmark status, status for the original Playboy Mansion. Or D, serving prison time for public corruption charges. I really want to say D, but I'm going to go with B. Go with your gut. It was D? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say C. What is the city of Chicago? You know, vote early, vote often. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Well, thanks for playing along. They are always uh, kind of silly questions, but it's, it's fun for a warm-up. All right, so to get started, maybe tell us a little bit about your, your credit union, uh, who you serve, your members, and, and what lending looks like at, at your credit union. Yeah. So in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Desert Financial, we, we actually became a state charter a couple years ago. Uh, prior to that, we were, we were focused on really th three main counties. And over the last two years, we've really been expanding our footprint now that we're a state charter and serving the whole entire state of Arizona. How has that changed? And for folks who aren't familiar with, with credit unions as much listening, and the, the, that charter means that you can serve anyone in the state, is that right, versus just people who live in that county? Cor correct. There's, you know, cr credit unions are, you know, founded years ago as a, a, a seg group. You have to belong to something to, to be a member. And this particular one is if you live, work, or worship in one of the counties that we do business in. Has that made lending more complex, do you think, having that open charter now? No, I don't, I don't think it's made it more complex at all. I think it's opened it up for additional opportunities okay. in new counties. Okay, how about university? Awesome. University Federal was actually founded um, by a group of University of Texas professors. Mm. And so we are a federally chartered credit union. So unlike a community or state charter, we have special employee groups that belong to the organization. We are primarily focused on the higher education community. Um, in the Central Texas region, so almost every major university within our five-county radius belongs to the credit union. Um, lending for us, we are a 100% direct lender, so we don't have relationships with dealerships. So some would think that that makes our a little bit harder, but we found that our members are really loyal to us because of the service, because of being inclusive, and we lend pretty widely on the credit <coughs> spectrum. Um, recognizing that having a vehicle is a gateway to maintaining a job, eventually home ownership, furthering their education, all principles that were part of our mission and our vision. Nice, nice. Does that mean you live in Austin? It does. <laughs> so have you ever run into Matthew McConaughey playing the bongos? Uh, not playing the bongos, but at football games, uh, yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Very famous story about him and the bongos, by the way. Um, no, thank you both. And so. What did it start to, you, you certainly, this year, these last couple of months, it seems like every week there's some pretty um, depressing headlines in terms of either, or challenging headlines, banking or lending or the economy, and, and um, I think it can be tough to, to get excited about lending um, some days in 2023, but what are you looking at 
you know, this year, next year, what do you see on the horizon that has you excited to be in lending? And um, you know, give us some good news to get rolling here. I think for me, um, I over, oversee systems for all of our lending areas, from mortgage to commercial to consumer. And so it's really forwarding that di digitization of the lending experience for the member, um, the consumer space. I'm not gonna steal from our panel tomorrow, but we're doing a lot of tip to tail um, funding with no human interaction. So where I can automate to allow the members to have access to us even when we're closed, be it a commercial loan for a commercial real estate deal starting that process or getting a credit card for a small business owner or a credit card for a consumer or even a home loan. That's what I'm excited about for this year. And that's that's a change that's, I mean, that's something that's fundamentally different than what it was even just five years ago, I would assume. Most definitely. Um, in the last three years, <laughs> we've made a tremendous amount of progress on the consumer lending space and we're seeing now that progress transfer over into our mortgage and commercial areas. Just launched a new loan origination system last week in commercial lending that launched a ton of new products for our small business owners. So nice. really excited about it. Good. Yeah, the, the market right now is, uh, it, it's a little little uncertain, but but lending is still, still key and there's still people out there buying cars. Uh, the Arizona market for for home values is still still up, so a lot of people have equity to borrow. So really get excited that we are still able to help help our members, help our community with their their lending needs. Um, in addition to um, kind of what you're doing with the automation and you know full funding, we actually put a, a special project group together this year that we're going to be doing the same thing, you know, fr you know, <coughs> front to back, where 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 loan is originated, funded without somebody touching it. Nice, nice. That's great. So let me take the, the flip of that. So you talked about different opportunities that you're excited about pursuing or supporting in the community. What are the challenges or obstacles in the way of doing that? And what advice do you have for your peers who are contending with these same issues? Let's start with you first. Obstacles in the way of doing business? Yeah, well, doing business or pursuing, you know, the the opportunities to, you know, support the community and being successful. You know, your your members. Yeah, the 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 challenges with that in again in our market with, you know, fo folks on autos for a second. It is a very competitive market. Rates are so volatile on the rise. When, when we have an indirect platform and indirect dealers, um, it's tough to get the business. You've got to, you have to earn it one way or another. So if you don't have the, the best program, the best product in town, what do you have to offer? A lot of it is uh, relationship building where, where the dealers want to you know, further that, that relationship and, and send you loans. So Kaylin, you talked a little bit about the, again we don't want to steal from tomorrow about the you know the tip to tail and the, the automation <laughs> but what 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 are some obvious or not so obvious challenges and you know, ways to overcome them for, at least from your perspective I think it's buy in from the top down and also from the bottom up so your employees have to be bought into this idea that automation isn't taking their jobs automation is allowing them to perform meaningful work and add a lot of great value and build those relationships with our members. That has been a lesson that the organization has gone through over the last five years. And so having put that front end work 
that's been really key. The other challenge is the technology side. Technology is moving at such a great speed and you always see bright, shiny pennies. And you can't always be chasing the new thing. Sometimes you need to stop and reinvest in what you have. That's great. Let me take it up a, a level. You know, if you think out you know, 20, 25 years, what do you think will separate those institutions, those credit unions, from, that are very successful from the ones that just sort of run in place? It's remembering why we were founded in the first place. That we are community first and giving back to the community and giving back to those that we serve and ensuring that we are providing products and services from financial health planning, from estate planning to financial education that really meet their needs. Um, the ones that are successful are managing their money well, but they're also being creative and being willing to step outside of the normal credit union box and take a risk and fail fast and be willing to fail often if they need to. Thanks, that was awesome. Michael? The, the other piece of that too I'd, I'd add, I, I think technology. It's, it's very important to be up on top of technology with current times and actually kind of looking into the future. Credit unions, I, I think, are traditionally behind, you know, the technology times a little bit. But in order to be relevant in the future, you've, you've got to be able to adapt and change. And, and I think a lot of it is technology. The service aspect of credit unions, I, I think it's always there, it's always been there. And you just have to have to, have to make sure you're relevant. So you both touched on uh, technology. How, how much pressure do either of you see, either in your own institutions or you know, generally, for um, credit unions to get more scale, to have the assets to deliver the high-tech, high-touch digital experiences that folks seem to be clamoring for? Um, internally at our organization, it, there's a lot of pressure. And that is, you know, our CEO of 35 years retired two months ago. And so we now have a new CEO in place and a lot of new executives coming in as well. And so there's tons of new ideas. So there's a lot of pressure for us to move things forward, especially in the mortgage arena. Um, credit units historically in the mortgage space have been behind the eight ball, like the rocket mortgages and other things of that nature. And so how do we compete, right? Business is down, rates are not spectacular, products remain the same regardless, and then tap on liquidity challenges that many organizations are facing. How do you stand out? Mm -hmm. it, it does our financial, we, we have a, our, our IT department is wholly owned by Desert Financial. It's, uh, mm -hmm. it's a company called Switch Think Solutions. And with that, and, and having dedicated people specific to some of these automation tasks where you build out your loan origination system and you know a return portal so a borrower to apply you actually you know just like any other LOS where we are we are the ones that are building it developing it and setting that experience of what we want our membership to go through we did that at UFCU it has made a world of difference in the what's out there in the market versus you creating the journey that your members want to see um, and keeping that seamless experience. It's been, that's awesome. Cool. Common ground. 
That's right. That's right. <laughs> Community, our uh, credit unions at their finest. That's right. Yep. You know, I'm curious. You both are are leaders in lending in your institutions, and you've talked about changes that that you've helped champion in automation and, and automating the underwriting. You're on a panel tomorrow talking about um, you're championing adopting new you know risk scores and and uh, analytics capabilities. A lot of the folks, not all, um, who listen to this podcast are in the lending space. So if you just you know, kind of put the, the technology and whatever, the, the specifics of it aside, but think about your roles as, as leaders of change, um, you know, what advice do you have to people listening? This is not an industry that's known to, to run towards change. So um, like, how do you do it? What, how do people be successful? Change isn't a bad word. And, you know, talked a few minutes ago about you know, being willing to change, being willing to adapt to, to remain relevant. I think, I, I think there's always a, a new way of doing things. And I, I think that is probably one of the, the most uh, needed things to, uh, to have is uh, kind of being change ready, mm -hmm. if you will, from any, any leadership standpoint where for you know from from the top down letting your you know letting your your organization common ground common direction and and buy in from from you know all lines of business and michael you made it, as we were just chatting to getting ready you were talking about a, a specific initiative <coughs> too where um there's an opportunity for change, but you know, there's other things that are competing. So you can yeah, wonder if yeah. that's part of it too, just like realizing when there's not kind of the capacity and you're, you're not set up for success. There, there's, all, there's always so many competing resources mm -hmm. that it, at, at some point you've got to sit back and say, what is, what's the most, you know, priority? How are we going to, you know, rank them on a hierarchy? Mm -hmm. um, and some, you know, the one we were talking about a little bit ago, sometimes things get bumped. Yeah, yeah. For me, I think change comes with leading authentically and being as transparent as you can and creating that trust with those that I'm in the trenches with you. It's also having change management programs in place. And so that's something personally I work with, you know, with my team to make sure they understand, right? I give them all the information they are on board and they want to change, they have the training to do it. And it's sometimes just repetitive, but really, I had a tough conversation with someone about four years ago. And it's being authentic and being who you are and leading that way and others will follow, follow along. I wanted to ask specifically, um, you know, Kaylin, about the, the comment you made a second ago on Oh my gosh, things are changing. We're automating. Does that mean that my job's going away? How am I, like how do you? I'm assuming that's part of it, but kind of build trust or get people to see the world differently in those types of situations. Sure. Um, a younger, more naive self, about six years ago, said to a group of processors, "If you keep asking me to have the system do this, my question to you is, what will your what will your job morph into?" Six years later, we're there. We no longer have processors. And they took that and six years ago, like, oh my gosh, she's going to get rid of our jobs. But it was over those six years of showing them there are more valuable things you can do. There are other skills that you can learn to help your staff upskill 
right? Preparing them for the next level, the next position, building that bench continually. But it's tough. Um, it's not an easy conversation. It's still not easy conversations that we're having as an organization because the industry's changing. The need is changing. I don't need someone to print documents. I don't need someone to check documents, right? I can automate that. I do need someone to have quality conversations. So how do I train them to have quality conversations? So, adding on to that a little bit too, I, I think it's important for the teams to know that as, as we grow in the future, you're gonna have a more, more scaled team. So while it might not be replacing somebody, it's going to allow us to grow you know, mm -hmm. one time, two times, you know, how, however big we get, and possibly keep the same staff. You're, yeah. you're always going to have to have the staff to do the things we need to, but you can just do more of it with the same amount of people. Right. Focus on complex tasks yes. versus yeah. the... Right. Focus on all yeah. the gray, yeah. right? Yeah. Upskilling everybody, yeah. Yeah. Good. That's great. So, do you have anything no, else? Sorry, I was going to ask, coming back to the summit, right? Other than your panel, what are you folks most looking forward to over the next couple of days? I, well, of course the panel's gonna be, you know, Amazing. The, the best breakout. <laughs> I, I, I enjoy, truthfully, um, all of the different breakout ones. I haven't necessarily pinpointed one specific one that, that I'm looking at. Uh, it came last year and I took away a wealth of knowledge. Um, industry updates, um, what, I, what I really love is it's just information sharing. It, it's nothing specific about, uh, you know, product, go set this product up, or, you know, go buy this product. It, it's, it's sharing information and um, getting, to, getting to know people uh, in the industry. So, the peers. Great. Good. For me, this is the first time I've been here, so I'm like... Greenfield. Yeah, it's, it's all new, right? Um, I haven't dug into all of the, the breakout sessions, but it's any conference I attend or any summit I attend, it's... What can I bring home? What can I bring back to other leaders in the organization, to my executives, to my team? So that's what I'm looking forward to. Good. Yeah, we've had some examples where some of our customers, not all, but some of them, you know, they take the content and then they have to present it to their teams or they want to present it to their teams. So um, that's a good lineup. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, are there any questions you want to ask us or things that we didn't ask that we should have. If you had a crystal ball and you're looking at <laughs> the mortgage industry, okay, right? where do you see it evolving or changes in the next three to five years? Wow, that is a really good question. I do wonder, you know, regulation and those intermediaries aside, is it going to be, is it going to go more towards sort of the barbell where a few larger, uh, what do they call them, enterprise banks uh, have a significant share versus the, a lot more of the share being done with, you know, the credit unions and the community institutions. So that's what I wonder. Clearly, I'm not a mortgage guy, so my perspective, take with a grain of salt, listeners, you know. I'm yeah. a card guy. No, and similarly, I, 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 that mortgage is not my background, but where my mind goes is to some of this conversation, just the advances that have been had over the past couple of years in lending automation and even 
car loans, right? Probably pre-pandemic, a lot of people thought, well, I could never buy a, do a car loan without walking into a bank or a credit union branch, and, and we can. Um, you know, and having purchased a home a year ago, it is still such a process. And so I think do you, that's... Do you, do you think AI will get involved, at least on the front end, in like product recommendation and positioning different solutions, either at the broker level or at the, the lender level? I think there's a huge opportunity, and I think about you know, where, where you both, with credit unions in particular, talk about differentiating on a service standpoint and helping people, you know, whether that's through a person, whether it's through an investment in technology, understand what my options are for home ownership or financing that home, and then thinking about how you, you know, the product is what the product is. If I'm going out for a 30-year mortgage at, at one of your shops, versus there's very little to distinguish that from one place to the other. So it's, it's what are you doing on the front end? that's going to make me want to do business with your credit union, uh, simplify that, uh, where I think that you know, that's where the change is going to come. Um, and that's what the opportunity is, I would think. I've, I've got oh, one yeah. for you. Okay. So again, pull, pull, that, pull that crystal ball back out. Uh, Uh-oh. What, uh, what do you see the fraud space looking like over the next couple of years? There you go. What, what, are, what are we vulnerable to? What do we need to keep our eyes open for? Ever, ever changing. I mean. If somebody can predict what fraud is going to be in three years' time, I, I'd be highly skeptical. But with advances in, I, and I've been reading a lot about AI, and I, some of it's going to be overblown, but you know, I'm wondering if somebody's going to go out there and train AI on fake data sets and create inaccurate answers or create some sort of uh, entree into um, exposing data that shouldn't be, or creating images and videos that look like somebody so that you can perfectly emulate a, an actual customer and essentially steal from a bank. I, it's wild west on that frontier, I think. Ever evolving. And I, I think the, I mean, you, you both know this, uh, or I think would, would agree with the statement, but the fraud, is a challenge now, and, and customers have losses, or things, but I don't think that for the most part people feel like the losses are out of control or the threats are overwhelming given the technology that's, that's available for addressing it, but you, you've automated the loan decision. My willingness as a consumer to apply for a credit card with you today and wait five days or seven days until I get that plastic to start using that, like, it's not there, right? And so this, this pressure of three years from now, one year from now, five years from now, who knows, but having to make an immediate decision on my credit card application and give me a credential to start spending, yeah. like that's going to introduce new pressures where I think um, you know, that's where the innovation needs to happen and people need to be thinking about, well, how do I, it's not solving for the yeah. today's fraud problem, but, but that Well, one of the things you, you point out, and we're working on this, <laughs> this now and we have solutions in the space, but it's not about that, is like verifying the source of the query or where that person is. How are they coming to you and are they valid both from a, you know, a digital device perspective but also from a, an actual physical user human perspective. There's going to be, we're, the industry is going to continue to refine that, continue to get better. Fraudsters are going to continue to change. We're going to need to bring in other data sets that we don't even know we need yet. It's, you know, it's, it's, what is it, a hamster wheel? Mm -hmm. Are synthetic uh, 
IDs or synthetic profiles still still a thing? We're we're kind of um, you know filtered from that a little bit. We don't have a card portfolio. Most of our, our portfolios are secured, and, and we historically haven't seen a lot of synthetics come through. But curious if that's yeah, I don't, I don't have the raw data at my fingertips. I know it's still an issue, but it's, it's not, you don't, I'd say the industry has done a pretty good job at the ecosystem at fighting that. It's still, it's still something you need to be aware of and, and, and fight against. Um, you know, I, I do know that one of the areas that we're starting to see, and again, I'm talking consumer because there's a lot of I'll call it commercial and small business fraud related to the PPEs and things, things of that nature, is on um, like bust outs, you know, and uh, you know, malicious, you know, intent as well as synthetic. So you know, whether it's synthetic or whether it's, you know, true sort of first party fraud, um, it, it, you know, the whole bust out thing seems to be uh, of higher interest in the banking space now. Mm -hmm. okay. We're seeing a lot more demand for those solutions, and I just within say, the last year or so. And on the synthetic front, um, you know, if, if you look at a chart, and we track this, of this is credit cards, but credit cards that have been originated using a synthetic identity and applications for credit cards using a synthetic identity, the the originations, Craig, to your point on the industry doing a, a pretty good job, like it goes up up a little bit, it goes down a little bit, but it's it's a relatively flat line or has been for a few years. But the um, the attempts, the applications looks like a V. And so it was it was up here, it dropped off at the pandemic because there was free money elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and now they're back. And so so I think the industry's doing a good job of controlling it, but it really points to like they're there and they're knocking on your door. Um, and, and luckily I think most folks are doing a good job controlling for that, but um, they're back and they're hungry. <laughs> Cards were one of the <clears throat> first products that we automated end to end. And so that was a concern for us of how are we stopping and what are we doing and some of the upfront ways we were validating identity, things we're pulling in, in our decisioning and in our modeling as well as things that we're doing whenever we're requiring them to come back into our system to log back in, authenticate mm -hmm. in a couple of different ways. So, but yeah. As, as further, as further, further check in the process. Further efforts. Yeah. Yeah. Added a little bit more friction mm -hmm. um, in, that, in that space. But no, good question. Yeah. Good question. It's the first time we ever asked somebody if they had questions for us. I don't, I don't know that we'll do it. Yeah, do it. Yeah, we're not, we're not doing that Put you on the spot. You yeah. did well. <laughs> Thank you. All right, this has been great. I, you know, I know you folks are busy. Um, look forward to seeing you over the next couple of days. Thanks again for the time. Yeah, really thanks appreciate for joining us. Thank thanks you. for having us. Thank you.